I got some stuff to share from the Bible today, and it's fabulous news. Um, it's wonderful when the Holy Spirit starts moving. We had the Holy Spirit speaking into people's lives earlier on, and I, I said it to, I said it to the, the, the leadership team one time, sometimes it's like as if one of you are locked in the boot of the car on the day before, because today I saw something, again, another mirror of a conversation that was yesterday. I mean, that's freaky, isn't it? But God's great. Amen. Do you know he's with us? Yes. He's with us and it's great. Um, and it, we're going to deal with some rough stuff today. Yeah, you up for it? Yeah. We're going to deal with some real stuff. We've got to be in real. We've got to live in reality. And we're going to do that. We're, we're living in a world, I don't know if you've noticed, that is quite antagonistic um, towards God. That God is often getting some bad press. And when you mention things like the Bible, it's like, go away from me. I don't want to know what's going on and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and there is a kind of a picture that, that God is um, in some way against the free type spirit that's, that's around today. And um, in, in the various jobs that I've had, including my current job, I get asked all sorts of questions. Maybe you do too in your workplace and in school and wherever you're at. You know, the, the question came up recently is, is God against weed? <laughs> I hope not, because a whole lot of weeds in my garden, but anyway. <laughs> Does God hate gay people? Have you heard that one? Yeah. 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 Well, what about the LGBT people? Are they, are, does God love them? Are they welcome into the kingdom of God? What, what about people who go to war? What does God think of them? What about trans people? I mean, life has got very complicated in comparison to years ago. You know, before the war, we had very, very simple questions. You know, what about sex before marriage? What about, you know, can Christians drink alcohol? What about contraception? I remember one time, actually, before contra contraception was legal in Ireland, I was pastoring up in the west of Ireland and we had a women's conference there and uh, the, the main speaker, um, Andrea Wigglesworth, was there and she just said, um, you know, I happen to have a box of contraceptives, and if anybody wants any, you know, and of course nobody went up and took any contraceptives. Do that, do you know what I mean? But Jeremy, uh, <coughs> I mean, actually, he's Scottish, like. Um, <laughs> but then at night, the car, <laughs> the cars would just visit, just take a call for a cup of tea. <laughs> and Stephen Fry was uh, speaking um, on on the University of YouTube um, this week. So it must be true. And um, he was talking about the, uh, the, the, the whole same-sex issue in the church and the Church of England and all that kind of stuff. And he said, you know, he's, a, he's an atheist, he's a humanist, he calls himself. Um, so let's respect him and call him a, a humanist, someone who believes that, you know, he is his own God in that sense. He's got the answers inside himself. And um, uh, he was saying the church would like to think that it has absolutes, but it can't. Therefore, it moves its morality about every 10 years. And it's an interesting concept, isn't it? An interesting statement that, that he made. Um, but today I'm going to give you some absolutes. Would that be good? Amen. We need absolutes in our lives. We need to have some, not always, but we need to have black and white thinking on some things. We really do. If we don't have black and white thinking on some things, not everything, but on some things, on those very fundamental things, if we don't have black and white thinking, we get very anxious. We don't know where we are. We get very unstable. 
uh, we can be quite fearful. We kind of doubt, you know, that double-mindedness of doubting and all that kind of stuff and creates an awful dilemma for us. And, you know, it's very interesting that I was speaking to a GP um, last year and he was telling me that he's uh, prescribing three times more antidepressants and anti-anxieties than he had before COVID. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. Wow, we, got so, we need to have some absolutes. We need to have some answers. And I believe this morning we're going to have some answers. I believe we're going to have some answers this morning. Um, so, um, but when, it was, when speaking of all these ethical dilemmas and, and different questions, we used to say before, well, just follow your conscience. Follow what's inside in your heart. You know that one? Follow inside what's inside in your heart. You know, follow the dream. And um, uh, incorporate yourself or whatever. Watch yourself like, do you know what I mean? But uh, that's all right if you live kind of in a, in a culture that's educated with Christian values. That can, that can work for you. But we're no longer in that culture. No. We're no longer there. And a conscience, there are some innate things that God has given us inside in us, like we know innately it's not right to kill. You know, there's a few things. Um, you're not allowed to steal, unless you've got a nice mark. But, um, but you, know, you, you know, we start to bend some of the rules then after a while, don't we, because of necessity. Um, and often our conscience comes from our, our family of origin, our first society, it's called, um, that we learn... Uh, the rules of life and that's kind of written in on our hearts as we're growing up and but that can be all sorts of things It depends what type of family you come from yeah. You know, um, I, I remember stealing a sweet at home. It was only the first of many I need to say but um, But I remember stealing a, a sweet and feeling very guilty uh, Because I was told I was brought up you're, you're yeah. thou shalt not steal. Do you know what I mean? So that's how it worked But I remember counseling in, in one of the rehabs in the UK there a few years ago and this fella came in Funny enough, he, he was from Cork, but uh, he came in and uh, he said, Brian, you're going to think I'm, I'm really silly and really stupid. And I, I genuinely said, I really don't think so, because I don't tend to think that of people, you know. I hope you don't either. Yeah. There's no such thing as silly, yeah. unintelligent people. God has given a, a portion of everything of intelligence to all of us. Conscience. And he was sitting there and saying, Brian, I, I feel terri terribly, terribly guilty. I've got this awful dilemma. I said, okay, what's, what's, what's the dilemma? Well, my father was a very successful thief. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah. Mine worked in forestry, actually. <laughs> he said, yeah, he could do about 15 houses a night, you know. He'd clear the old DVD players and the jewellery and the whole thing. Just get in, get out. You know what I mean? He was really good at it, you know. And he said, I'll be honest with you, Brian. I, I couldn't really get more than seven or eight. <laughs> I feel really guilty over it, you know what I mean? And uh, so conscience is something that comes from our family and our culture and some innate things that God has given us. But in these questions that are asked today, just to say follow your conscience, follow your heart, actually isn't, isn't enough. People are looking for deeper answers. Have you noticed? People are looking for real answers. The great thing about being in a, a church that calls itself real and, and behaves like that is because we live in a culture that doesn't really do fake anymore. Yeah. People want real. They insist on real. And that's really good. It can be uncomfortable, but it's really, really good. But also, some of these personal issues, they're very emotive. Have you noticed? Yeah. Yeah. They're really deep and personal issues. And often go even as far as into someone's personal identity, which is the core of their personality. And churches and, and, and religion, as, as we know in this country, it's like as if the voice however you're defining the church there, but it's like as if the voice of the church has just 
got quieter and quieter and quieter and it's kind of lost its, its traction in society. And often the, the accusation to the church is, just get on with the times, will you? Just catch up with the times. Get, you know, things have changed now. Really? There was a, a night, one night, when a, a fella called Nicodemus came at night to ask Jesus a few questions. And that was the tradition that they were in. He was a Pharisee. It's a good thing, by the way. It's often seen as a bad thing. Well, actually, they were good people. They really tried to live well. And he, he called to Jesus and, uh, at night, probably, maybe, because he couldn't be seen. Does that ever happen to you at work? Yeah. Uh, just, <coughs> come here a second, Brian. Just, uh, <coughs> I'd just like to ask you a question or something, you know what I mean? <coughs> uh, you know, you Christian fellas, um, <coughs> do you think uh, it's all right if you, uh, do you know what I mean? I'm not asking for myself, no. <laughs> I'm asking for someone else. And I think Nicodemus came with some questions, ethical questions. And Nicodemus, we know, eventually became a Christian. And he knew that Jesus was going around the country saying, you, follow me. You, follow me. And people were dropping their nets like. People were dropping the things that they were tied to and just following him. And then Jesus was going around the countryside doing all sorts of miracles. And, and Nicodemus was thinking like, he was thinking hard. And he came at night to figure it out. I want to ask you a question. When people in this fragmented society are trying to work things out, are you a safe person that they can talk to? Are you a safe person? Are you going to get the Bible and whack him across the head? There's a few of them out there, have you noticed? Got the bruises too. But, and I've been one. I've actually been one. But you know, people are looking for real answers. And just to give a little verse to go, go to hell. That's... It's not good enough. Yeah. It's actually not good enough. And it's not representing Christ. It might make you feel nice, but it doesn't make anyone else feel nice. It doesn't do anything for anybody else. And people came and asked questions. Questions that could be asked today. Does God condemn gay people? Does God condemn the LGBT community. What about the person who's divorced? What about the person who's had an abortion? What about the person who's fiddled their taxes? I'd back off there, no brain, will you? <laughs> but I need to say to you that you can come to the leadership of this church with really any questions. Because they're safe people. I know this. They're safe. Tom and Denise and Alma and Michael and Dara. They're safe people. You can come to them. <coughs> but I need to tell you the safest person you can go to is Jesus Christ. And after dark, one evening, he came to speak and he said, Rabbi, we all know God has sent you. What has he sent them for? To teach us. 
Because your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Nicodemus was coming for a discussion on certain matters and in his tradition it would have been those list of ethical maybe case studies and, and things that applied to the law, you know, the Ten Commandments and stuff. He might have been asking questions about what about the adulterer? How do you interpret the Torah, the laws of God with regard to daily life? You know, can you bring the donkey to the mechanic on a Sunday, that kind of thing. <laughs> what about wealth and faith? Back off there now again, right? You can touch my heart, but not my pocket. Do you understand me? <laughs> what about your money? What about politics? I'll be back off there now as well, boy. How do these things work? They're good questions, aren't they? And we, we need answers. And Jesus knew, however, Jesus knew by listening to Nicodemus that actually Nicodemus was in the dark. Nicodemus couldn't see what he needed to see. And Jesus um, was going to give him advice. Now, if you're going for advice, you need to go to the right person. Isn't that right? Yeah. You know, if you want advice on gardening, you don't come to me. Have we got an understanding here? Like anyone who's seen my garden, it's called Eden. The house is called Eden. It's kind of Eden post-fall. Do you know what I mean? Do you know, you only need to get a tractor up the driveway, that kind of way. I remember someone came to counselling one time and they said, Brian, I'm looking for counselling with regard to losing weight. What are you laughing at? And I said to him, what the heck are you doing here? Jesus said something. He said, you'll know them by the fruit. We use the phrase today, evidence-based. Yeah. You actually know what you're talking about. Did you ever, I, I worked in rehabs for years. And it's phenomenal the advice you can get from someone who's relapsed on a... On a on a, on a substance. What you need to do now is <clears> how <throat> oh, you get off alcohol is. Do you know what I mean? And I know, I know the 12 steps now, I know them all. And I can tell you all about it now, therapist by. Do you know what I mean? I know it, yeah. And then they just collapse or something. <laughs> you gotta see the evidence. We live in a data world, we live in a Google world. It's so easy just to Google and get the information, the Bible study, whatever else it is. And Jesus uh, came to, uh, was with Nicodemus, and Jesus had to, he did answer the question, but he had to completely change his approach to these ethical questions. And he replied to Nicodemus. So he was addressing what he was asking. He replied and he said, I tell you the truth, Nicodemus, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you're born again, unless you have a new birth, unless you're born from heaven, unless you have the perspective that comes from heaven, you can't see. There's no point in moving the furniture around with the ethics. It's like moving the grand piano on the Titanic. Just put it over there on the other corner there, guys. Do you know what I mean? The floor is a bit high there now at the moment. Stupid life jackets, would you? We're going down. And Jesus is kind of saying that. He said, listen, will you 
stop your raw meshing about what's right and what's wrong and what's right and what's wrong. You need to be born again. Do you know the worst dilemma I think could be is to be locked in an elevator with someone that is strapped to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. This is right, this is wrong, this is right, that button yeah. should be red, it's green. It's red. Yeah. Do you know those type of people? Oh my gosh. I mean, I never personally want to strangle people, but... <laughs> and, and Jesus said to Nicodemus, you need to be born again. And Nicodemus goes, you need to be what? What the... You don't realise, like my mother's 73. <laughs> How can a baby? We got some medical people here and professors and stuff, maybe you can answer this. How can a baby enter into his mother's womb after it's born? And Jesus is talking some spiritual stuff. And he's saying, if you can't believe the natural stuff, you're not going to understand the spiritual stuff. You know, there's wars and rumors of wars going on at the moment. We have a whole change in our ethical system, isn't it true? We've just spoken about it. That's actually reflecting a spiritual reality of what's going on. But then Jesus said, but the spirit is blowing and you don't know where he comes from and you don't know where he's going to. And I want to suggest to you that in the midst of this fallen world, in all the ethical dilemmas that are going on inside in this room, right now, the Holy Spirit is blowing around this room. Hallelujah. He's here. The very essence of God is blowing in and through. And I don't want the Holy Spirit to blow around you. Why don't you invite the Holy Spirit to blow through you? Amen. There's no point in talking about ethics. There's no point in talking about gay stuff. There's no point in talking about LGBT stuff unless you're born from above. There's no point. The Spirit of God. And Nicodemus, Jesus says to Nicodemus, he says, I assure you, we tell you what we know and have seen, and yet you don't believe our testimony? Told you? One of the things about these type of churches and there's other churches like this is that well, we experience stuff. Mm. Like I experience God. Mm. You know, I come to church, I experience God. It isn't just that the music is fabulous, which it actually is and was this morning particularly. Hope you're paying him well. But, but actually, God is doing stuff in our lives. People say to me sometimes, Brian, with all the trouble in the world, do you believe in God? Why do you believe in God? I believe in God because I've met him. Hallelujah. Yeah. I believe in God because I know him. Nicodemus is on his way. He's actually becoming a Christian according to scripture. And Jesus goes and introduces himself, not as the rabbi, which he is, but he's far more. He's saying, he's introducing himself as the Son of Man. On what mission is the Son of Man on? Well, the Son of Man, let me just describe who he is first. He's a superhero kind of a guy. He's a man that has come from heaven on a mission from God to do what no other man can do. Isn't that fabulous? And he says, this is the mission in verse 14. He says, as Moses lifted up a bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. 
See, in Moses' day, the people had rebelled and were proud. It isn't a reflection of our society, is it? They were impatient and ungrateful. And God sent the snakes in among the people, and many were bitten and died. So Moses lifted up a snake on a bronze pole, and then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look, look at the bronze snake and be healed. It's an incredible, that was a true, this is a story, but it's a true story. That God had ordained he said to Moses, Moses, Moses as a leader was probably panicking, saying they're turning away, what do I do, what do I do? They're doing the wrong thing, they're doing really the wrong thing, and God spoke to him. Maybe you need a word from God this morning. Some people had a word from God this morning. And God said, put a snake in a pole. What? Do what you told. And when they turned and they looked at the snake, they lived and they were healed. Isn't that amazing? Now what you and I do is that we want to go in and, and create a religion out of that. And we want to make poles with snakes and sell them for $9.99 and, and package them. Maybe get them made in China, import them in and, and have them outside the church door. Do you know what I mean? We got $9.99 snakes in the pole. <coughs> As this Moses lifted up the bronze snake, it was a reflection of something else. It was an image of something else. Of the Son of Man, the superhero, must be lifted up on a pole. And the effect is the same. That they that look to him who was lifted up will be saved. That's Hallelujah. the mission. God. So the Son of Man this hero type figure must be lifted up. Jesus was lifted up in a pole in between heaven and earth. He is the bridge between heaven and earth. He is the bridge between a holy God and you and I, sinful people. Isn't it amazing? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 it says, For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sin so that we could be almost right. Was that saying? Should have gone to sex black savers, Brian. So that we could be made right with God. So you can be in with God. So everyone who believes in him, everyone who believes in Jesus will have eternal Life. That's not just a life that goes on forever. You might think, I don't want to live forever, buddy. You don't know how bad my life is. No, this is not just the length. This is the quality. Yeah. This is about God's life himself yeah. inside in you, bringing you a new life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, unless you're born from above, Hallelujah. you can't see. Hallelujah. And this is the springboard of change. Yeah. That when we look to him, it's the springboard. Forgive me, can't do the graphics. Needed to get Christine. It was 12 o'clock last night. Couldn't do it. But I wanted to put the cross on the bottom. And Brian Sinnott, are you or me being sprung forward up into heaven? Isn't that fantastic? If the world needed anything, you know this. If the world needs anything, it needs what it lost in Genesis. 
love. Switch on the radio for 10 minutes, five minutes, two minutes. It's all about love. All the sins, the relational breakdowns, the sickness, the loneliness, the deviant relationships. It's just a search for love. And God is the answer. For this is how God loved the world. Are you part of the world? Are you sure? You're not on a a psychotic or anything? Are you part of the world? God, this is how God loved you. He gave his one and only special son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Forgive me, I get, I'm a little bit confused with the slides. It always happens to me. And I can't apologize really because it happens every time. <laughs> but I was in this Bible study one time down in Timonique in West Cork and we had a Bible study with travelers. It was fabulous. I remember one, one lady came for prayer at the end of it and she said, Brian, I have a list of prayer. Okay, yeah, great, yeah, fine. About 10 minutes later, she was still calling out her list. And I remember putting my hand on her and praying. And basically I said, sweet God, do something for her. Sorry, but that's the way it was. Do you know he did? Isn't it incredible? She became a Christian that night. She said she hadn't slept for 10 years. Now I'd say she probably did, but felt she didn't, but nevertheless. The next morning, her daughter, in a panic at lunchtime, was trying to wake her up in the bed, thinking she was dead. She slept so well. Hallelujah. Doesn't God love people? God loves people. Get it into your noggin. God loves people. And we're in this Bible study, and we're going through it. And I said, from John chapter 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. And I said, so... If Christianity is about anything, it's about love. And they started to say, love. This is the love Bible study. This is the love fellowship. (laughs) I have to be honest, it's really difficult to continue a Bible study when you're crying with laughter and you can't see to the Bible because of the tears. But there's different types of love, isn't there? There's the Eros love, that passion. Passion to dive into something. Maybe it's your work or a hobby or a relationship. It transfers also into the sexual world where where, where you have that erotic love. Where there's a whole load of endorphins and that feel-good factor. Keep talking, Brian. You're you're doing well there. There's there's the filio love. Now go back to Eros. There's the filio love. There's that beloved. There's that friendship. The trusted companionship, the brotherly love. Jesus said, by the love that they have for one another, this filial love, the world will know that they are the disciples. There's the sterge love, the family love between parents and children. Sometimes it's with siblings. It's ongoing, long term. And we're meant to have that for one another. We just celebrated that a few minutes ago. We're a family, pretty big family. Do you know, we're a family because we share one father. Yeah. Isn't that right? We're related. Yeah. We're related. 
And then there's the agape love. That divine perfect love. That perfect love which is pure in its intention. Which is self-sacrificial. It's about the other. And when the Bible says God is love, it means God is agape. God is self-sacrificing on his end to you. He is the initiator of a relationship that cost him everything. I mean, we, we think of things costing things. You know, how much is the engagement ring that you bought your fiance? Well, it probably was a lot of cash, to be honest. Maybe you borrowed for it. If we got all the engagements in the ring, in, in, rings in, in the room here, uh, I mean, we could and I could take them, but, um, you know, there'd be a lot of cash. Remember Jeff Bezos? I'm into yachts. I haven't got one because I can't afford one, but, 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 but he, has the, he had this yacht and he got it built, I think it was in Hamburg. And he loved his yacht so much. It was a big one. But it was so big he couldn't get it down the river. It was a bridge. There's a bridge, you can't go through the bridge. <laughs> and Jeff loved his yacht so much, he bought the bridge. And lifted the bridge off to get his yacht through. Next time you buy a book, remember that. God so loves you. Hallelujah. He sent his only son to be impaled on a cross to pay for everything that separates you from God. That's a high price. I love you guys, but you're not getting my kids. I'm not sending my kid to pay for your sins, sorry Denise. I'm not. You're not getting them. But God loves you so much. This is what he does. This selfless, unconditional type of love. And it holds all things together, including the other types of love. This ab agape is a noun. It's a thing. He loves you. But it's also a verb. There's action to it. It's like our faith. Our faith is a noun, but it's a verb. It has to have action to it. What is the world crying out for? Love. The primary love. And the love that creates all the other types of love that we mentioned comes from agape comes from God. God loves you passionately. He dives into your life. He's interested in every aspect of your life. He gets his kicks out of just blessing you. He's passionate about you. God Almighty calls you his friend. What? That's amazing. And he has picked you out and adopted you into his family. You can go to the fridge at any time. Because you're his boy. You're his girl. For God so loved the world, he gave. I'm going to let go of the slides. I'm not doing this well. 
For God so loved the world. This is the ultimate way God found to express his love to the world. This is how much God loves you. It's real stuff on that. It's gritty stuff. It isn't that he gave you a cuddle. It isn't that you just click because you kind of like. It isn't that this is your part, if you know what, I was always Christian. He loves you. And God showed, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were sinners. It isn't that you were there and said, oh, Jesus, come into my life. And he said, oh, yeah, I'll die for you, so if you're going to make a deal like that, it'll be grand. Do you know what I mean? No, it was while we were enemies. Why we just, uh, would you like to know about Jesus? Go away, will you? It was at that point that Jesus died for us. He gave his only special son. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So what does God think of all these issues that we've mentioned? What does God think about your sexuality? What does God think about whether you're smoking weed? What does God think about whether you're smoking cigarettes, watching television, and you believe in capital punishment, going to war? Oh, shut up. <clears throat> what does God think about these things? God's not thinking of those things. God's thinking about you. God's thinking about you. He loves you. He will deal with the other things. Don't, don't get me wrong. But don't let those things be a barrier between him and you. And tell you verily, verily, just like Jesus said to Nicodemus, don't be bothering me with that stuff, will you? Don't be... They've got to tell you something else. You need to be born again. You need a new life. You need a new life from God. Does that mean... Forget that that's me. Let God work that out. Hallelujah. But look how much, look, look, I mean, look how much he loves you. He's a serious dude when it comes to loving his people. He didn't just think about you. He did something about it. He ordered the execution of his special son to take the judgment like the snake in the pole. That's all fine, what, what, what kind of, <coughs> what does that mean, Brian? Do you know, I'm a Christian, like, and I'm struggling with all this stuff. Like, I've got mad stuff going off in my head. Mad stuff I'm just not able to stop, like, do you know what I mean? I don't know what to do. Jeepers, Brian, you, you have no idea what I'm like. And then, actually, I probably have a good idea, to be honest with you. It's just my job. Is that good news or is that good news? There is zip. Nine? Nine, Benny? No, is that nine or nine? Nichts. 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 Nichts.
No. No. There's none. It's gone. It's over. It's disappeared. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. I don't talk about my, my work a lot. don't think it's always appropriate. But you know where I work. You know what I got to deal with. Will I go in with the ethical trolley? Good morning. <laughs> oh, you've murdered. Right. <laughs> I go in with Christ. Because anyone who believes in him, there is no judgment. What's the missing piece that needs to be inserted into people's hearts? It's the love of God. Amen. The sacrificial love of God for you. That's the therapy. I mean, yeah, I got the doctor stuff, but don't tell them that's the answer. It only took me 20 years to figure it out, but that's the answer. But it's real. There is no judgment against anyone who was, who gets it all right. No who believes in the Son of Man, the superhero who died on a cross mm. to take the punishment that you and I deserve. Mm. I don't agree with that. It doesn't matter. Mm. I work with people who don't believe in the judgment they have. It doesn't matter you're in. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only some serious stuff there's only one hope but he's a fabulous hope he's a loving hope he's an extravagant hope so brian to answer the question does god condemn the gay community the lgbt community those who've had abortions those who've stolen lollipops no We're all under judgment, but there's a way out. Slides are gone again. Mm -hmm. All have sinned, is that true? Yes. Yes. Have you sinned? Yes. I'm pretty good at it actually. Mm -hmm. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That's the absolute. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the absolute. The gift of God is eternal life. And when you receive from Jesus, when you receive the forgiveness that has come from the cross, you receive the infusion of life. The life was drained out of him and infused into those who would look to him. And they that look to him would live. Don't get bogged down in all the morality stuff. Don't let all your sins stop you from coming to Christ. He's dealt with that. Come to Jesus today. He loves you like nobody will ever love you. Maybe this is your, your uh, 
first time in a place like this, and you're thinking, he's, he's a nutter. That good, good looking fellow up there on the stage, isn't he? He's a nutter. It's a great form of nuttiness, I tell you that. Yeah. It's a fabulous to be forgiven of your sin. It's fabulous to know you have a hope and a future. And Jesus is right here, right now, by his spirit, knocking on the door. With, forgive my metaphor on this, because it's true, with a bloody hand and saying, let me in. Let me in. I can give you this blood and give you this life. It can be yours. I gave my life for you. Take it. Take it. And if you're a Christian and you're struggling with sin and all that kind of stuff, you need to know you're loved more than your brain can take it. The best antidepressant in the whole world is the love of Jesus. The best anti-anxiety is the love of Jesus. If you know you're loved, you're not going to be so anxious. Isn't that true? If you know the hope that's in Christ, you're not going to be so depressed. But we all get anxious and we all get depressed. Isn't that true? Michael, do you want to finish up here? Thank you so much for listening to me. This is a fabulous message. Not a fabulous preacher, fabulous message. Thank you, Brian. The gospel never gets old. Never gets old. Never gets old. Will you stand with me? I'm going to pray. Do you know what I'm going to pray? I'm going to pray that God's love in your life this week will be translated from sentimentality into hard reality. Yeah? Because your life needs it. You need the transfusion of God's love in your life this week. Will you pray with me? Will you raise your hands wherever you are? We're going to pray. Commit ourselves into God's hands and then the guys are going to lead us in the beautiful song of praise the name of the Lord our God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for your mercy, your kindness and your grace towards us. Can I get an amen? Lord, the word, your word says your loving kindness is better than life itself, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You've lavished your love upon us, Lord. And we pray this week, as we go into our week, whatever it is that we face, Lord, we could be on the mountaintop or in the valley or somewhere in between. We pray, Lord, that your love will not just be about sentimentality, but that it will be worked out in our hard life reality, Lord. We pray, Lord, that it will be substantial in our lives this week. We pray we would know your presence. Can I get an amen? amen. We pray we would know your protection. Can I get an amen? amen. We pray we know your provision. In Jesus' mighty name, and God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, brother, for sharing. Don't forget we're here on Friday night. Taste of Ireland, hope you can make it, starting at half past seven. Over to the guys, we're serving tea and coffee upstairs. And if you want to give an offering to the work, you can do it in any of our boxes around the building. God bless and keep you.